You're listening to Human Hackers, where we talk human and online. With Phil Richards and Ian Hopkinson. This is our first episode ever, and you're about to listen to a series on the challenges of finding your identity. The challenges of finding your identity. This sounds very challenging, Phil. How are you today? I'm fantastic, again, and yes, it is challenging. I can attest to that from my own uh, my own experiences in life. Do we need to find our own identities before we do this episode? No, we don't. I don't think so. I, I think I think this episode is just letting things flow. It's it's bringing together, I guess, our own experiences uh, around the challenges of of identity. So no, we we just need to let it flow for this one, eh? And we're on the journey. Always been on the journey. It's all good. <laughs> so this is obviously a big topic. So we're going to go through a series of areas of identity, starting with what they feel. Where do we start when we've got such a huge topic? Well, the, the problem, the big problem with all of this stuff is is terminology and people looking for definitions out of Wikipedia or you know the the dictionary or something like that and and I think that that probably narrows things down too much to start with and bogs things down as well so the way I think we need to look at this one as far as identity goes is to look at what the contributors are rather than looking at a definition look at some things that we do uh, have as contributors to identity and we have degrees of control of so we can actually be in a position to shift them if we need to. So if we need to create an identity, we can make those appropriate changes in order to uh, to get a different identity showing up for different reasons. Okay. So as an individual, what makes me who I am? Yeah, there's a big question for you. <laughs> I think there's, there's four contributors, I think. One is, one is context. So I'll give you an overview first. One is context of the situation itself. Uh, so we do tend to have different identities for different situations. Second one is past actions. So how you've behaved, what you've done in the past, what approaches you've taken. Third one is aspects of personality. So some personality traits, those consistent ways of uh, thinking, feeling and behaving. And then the last one is skills and knowledge. And so the way I've looked at this for the purposes and the simplistic approach to these things uh, to demystify it, I've looked at it, uh, skills and knowledge and past actions, personality and context as things that other people see. Because ultimately, right. I get, yeah, the identity is serving a number of number of purposes, but obviously we're communicating to other people essentially. How am I defined by my past actions? Well, I'll turn that one around, Ian. <laughs> when you think of other people, how do you define other people? How do you make an identity up for someone else? How do you work out who they are? So uh, how you, you can choose to then you know change the way you may interact with those individuals. What are the cues? Uh, well, if, I guess if I've, their reputation precedes them, as it were, that's that's a clue. Um, you find out their story, I suppose. You ask them, you ask them to tell you their story. Um, that's always an interesting way to to kick off a conversation. Well, and, and I guess if you look at story and you look at reputation, what are they made up of? Uh, this is a good quiz for me, Phil. It is. Um, <laughs> um, Would their past actions be contributed to that? Of course. I guess that's, mm. exp- that's experience and, and the learnings that, that they've had. Um, yeah. 
help me out here, Phil? Well, not necessarily firsthand either. So I think past experiences, past actions of of an individual do tend to contribute to the reputation for sure. And that doesn't always come firsthand. So it's something you didn't necessarily experience for that person, but it's something someone else may have told you that they're like or they did. And so the past actions in a simplistic form tend to contribute a lot to the way you develop your view of what the identity is for that person. You know, okay. I guess the twist in the tale here too is that uh, when you think about identity, we create it for ourselves as well. So it's it's not just being assessed from outside. We're actually creating your own identity, which has got the associated story you referred to before as well. There's a story about who we are. We then choose to act in that way for whatever reason, and that's what other people perceive us as being, which is what how they form a picture of what they think we are identity-wise. There's aspects of us that we're born with, though, is there? I mean, that's a whole podcast series in itself. But <laughs> um, So the nature-nurture thing, yes. are we – what you're talking about real, there, I suppose, is more along the lines of the conditioning or the, the, the structures that we've formed? Yeah, which is a whole other episode in its own right and, and would be easy to get lost in the rabbit hole on that one around. Yeah, easy. <laughs> Mm, around how that comes together. So so I think, uh, yeah, it's looking at it again, keeping it simple. It's just looking at the past actions, but thinking um, about how those actions occurred for the individual. So, you know, say in my case, if I've, if I've gone and done something that on reflection, you know, the next day I thought maybe wasn't appropriate, um, I'll tend to sit back and, and think, well, why why did I really do what I did? What was, what was the reason for that? It wasn't something someone told me to do. So there was a driving reason for that. What was that real reason for doing that? Quite often it's to avoid things, to avoid the pain. So to avoid you know, feeling shameful as an example. Uh, and that's a big one for people because when the vulnerability shows up, shame's usually associated with that. And we tend to, to rethink those situations. So yeah, it's, it's something where the nature versus nurture, I think we're evolving all the time. We're always being conditioned, whether it's through TV, radio, face-to-face, uh, print media. Everything's conditioning us anyway if we choose to actually let it uh, occur that way. So I think it's something that we need to start to take control of. We need to start to realise that we are the authors of this identity. We are the creators of this identity. And just because we were born of you know certain parents with particular genes... It doesn't mean we need to be that way forevermore. And there's plenty of research out there now that is starting to explore those areas, um, particularly in the, the, the epigenetics sort of space, where they're looking at how those things can actually be changed and how we have way more control, it seems, over those things than what we thought we ever had before. Yeah, and so we're talking about learning from our mistakes and evolving as humans. There's a concept sort of like the definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting a different result comes into play because if we've if you touch the stove and it's hot and you burn your finger, you would hope after that experience you would change your, ne- change your action around the stove next time. Yeah, for sure. And I guess that one's, those things are used quite often as you know ways to illustrate that concept but i think where we're my feeling is and you know i don't have a uh 
a huge academic degree here to back me up on this opinion, but I'm allowed to have it anyway, <laughs> um, is that we're moving to a new space uh, in, in the sense that, that a lot of our world obviously lives in our head and the physical actions are, say, touching the hot plate and learning that lesson early um, still apply, obviously, but I think we've got a whole level of understanding now that's developing around how our minds, how you know, managing our attention, determining our focus and so on can actually cause some of these shifts. And probably one of the biggest things I think is people understanding what their current patterns are and then spending the time to actually work out why uh, those patterns are in place, why the behaviours have occurred. Because with that understanding, they can then move to a place to make some changes. And that ability to change is way greater than what we've previously thought it to be, I think. Yeah, and that was a very simplistic example. Um, The key I see to this really is what you do with that reflection time after the action. Mm -hmm. And I see people having a lot of, yeah, I see people having a challenge with what they do in that reflection time, Um, call it mindfulness in in a in a form um being able to appropriately sift through i guess a revision of an of an experience and what the next action is like how to approach that i see see a lot of challenges around that it's something that i've i think naturally thought a lot about because of the my performance background um, because of the nature of that is there is a lot of revision and, and review and improving skill in certain areas and then and then tackling it again. Um, but in our day-to-day lives, we seem to just quite often just roll roll through it and, and get into that definition of insanity zone where it's, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to do that again because mustn't have been my part in that particular situation. It must have been the world or another person. I agree. It's where we've got a particular task we're going to perform, um, particularly where we're being um, you know, assessed or judged externally or we've already got a reputation for being able to do something. There's more skin in the game, I think, in the sense we tend to put more effort in, we tend to review maybe a little more critically. Um, and maybe not always constructively in those circumstances. So I, I guess the bit that is missing is, again, as you've highlighted there, is the ability to apply that very same process to everything else that we're doing as well, where we're at in life, what we're doing, where this is heading. And obviously there's, you know, out of all this individual discussion we're having, there's also that flow and effect on how that flows into the business world as well through entrepreneurship and, and all those sorts of things. So, you know, we're talking at the very start of the process here around identity around some of the contributors about building that understanding or that awareness initially and then the understanding of why we're doing what we're doing. So quite often the judgment will kick in there as well. So because we're time poor generally, we'll tend to judge and shortcut and that that usually results in missing out on information. And so it, it actually probably takes longer to get an outcome if you're going to judge early than it does to bother to have those reflective moments you're talking about and reassess uh, where we're at. But but understand why. Understand the pattern underneath. There's always going to be some clues. And this is usually easier from the outside party's point of view. So where you know, myself as an observer of yourself and vice versa, 
it tends to be a bit easier for us to see these things because we're not as emotionally engaged or necessarily as lost in our respective worlds uh, because we're just observing someone else in that sense. So I, I agree. It's, it's all out there. It's all about the review, but it's also about deliberately choosing to apply those sorts of processes to our behaviours and, and working out what the cues are and why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely, because it's, a, it's, it's one thing recognising um, – well, being able to recognise the patterns is challenging. Um, even, even bouncing off other people and interacting with other people and, and seeking, seeking feedback and, and, you know, which bit of advice do you, do you take or whose opinion do you take about something that you need to improve on? Um, how do you, yeah, sifting through that is challenging and requires even more reflection. It's just sort of this perpetual process of, of you know, trying to figure out the right way to go. Well, it's, it's also a willingness to, to let go as well in that moment. So in order to have that view, if you imagine um, you've got a particular view of the world and yourself and everything else, to, to see a different view, you have to move to a different location. You have to let go of where you're currently standing, if you like, in order to be able to move to a different perspective. And the security that we tend to have around being who we're being, which is why we stay who we are, which is why we get the same results we do, tends to be an inhibitor in that process too. So there's not a, you know, a willingness to let go. It's a little bit scary. And so invariably we default back to the same position and keep doing what we're doing. And we're not willing to let go enough to move our end of there, get a different perspective and then maybe see something else about why we're doing what we're doing and be willing enough and brave enough to make a change at that point. So, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all the whole thing about identity, what we're talking about here in principle about the review process, you know, sitting back and, and reflecting is consistent across all the contributors and it's a consistent across the rest of life as well in terms of how we improve, like skills and knowledge is another area. We'll be back shortly with Human Hackers. So skills and knowledge. Mm, as the, the second contributor, probably the most often used one to define who we are. So what do you know and what do you do? You know, it's, it, every conversation, what's the first conversation? It's going to be where you're from or what do you do? Probably what do you do is one of the first questions we tend to ask. So there's a bit of a clue there that that's one of the major contributors to how we need to define identity for other people. And consequently, it's also a common one used for us. So one that's more manageable than anything else, the world has a predominant technical focus. I've seen this a lot in the fields that I work in and the understanding of the human contributors to this picture are starting to take on a, a higher priority. They're not, not definitely not there yet, but they're starting to take on a higher priority. So skills and knowledge is technical. So basically we go out, we do courses, we get more knowledge, we go and practice um, that knowledge or implement that knowledge, apply that knowledge and we end up with a skill. And then if we go through the process of enhancing that skill, we then get to a stage of performance and then we become known as part of that identity as a person that's really good at a particular skill set. So skills and knowledge of the four I'd probably see as being the easiest to yep. shift and the one that is people are predominantly conditioned to look at first and are probably the most comfortable with because we go out and look for a training course 
and we go and do that training course, we get the tick in the box, which doesn't necessarily mean we've got the skill set, it just means we've done a training course <laughs> and we've got the tick in the box. And then the application of that is where we move from the knowledge to the skills uh, and to be able to demonstrate then under pressure in a performance context as well, which relates back to your music background too, Ian. So, yeah, skills and knowledge I think is a fairly simple one in this equation. I love how um, just in social situations when I've probably found this more in the States when um, the question when they meet you isn't more along the lines of who are you um, or, you know, I, I, I ask open-ended questions at things like, you know, at functions, you know, how do you fit into the grand scheme of things? I just give them like some esoteric question like that and let them go where, where they want to go. Um, but I found in the States the first question was, Hi, I'm John. What do you do? Mm. It's all about what your what your knowledge and skills are. It's all about what you actually do for a career first. Mm. Um, I mean, it leads to other discussions about who you are and whatnot. But it's to lead with that. I found that fascinating. That yeah, you know, that was that was more valued than the questions more along who you are along those lines. It also illustrates the the level that people are generally at in terms of how they navigate their world. Yeah. You know, every, everyone says you get to know people suddenly. It's like going to a funeral. A funeral is a classic for this. You go along to a funeral and you, you sit back and there's probably no one, you know, everyone that's listening right now, there's probably no one that hasn't been to a funeral and had this feeling. You sit back and you find out all this stuff about this person that's no longer there, you can no longer communicate with. Um. And you find out that, wow, I didn't even know they did that. Yeah. And if I'd known that, this might have changed or that might have changed or whatever. And I think that is a really accurate representation of where we've got lost in lots of areas and that we've focused on that top level just traditionally. It's the easiest question. And and immediately, like I feel when I'm asked that question, immediately I'm put in a box. You know, yeah. what do you do? Where are you from? Um, it's not not necessarily even who you are. <laughs> It's like, you know, what do you believe in in the world? Where are your values? Not that I'm going to have that conversation up front, but those more superficial questions just allow us to then start to put this person in a box and then we tend to refine it narrower and narrower and narrower and then work out whether we've got any alignment or not and then chooses whether we continue the engagement or not. And obviously if the alignment's there, there's potential for the engagement to increase in intensity and you create that that longer-term and more deeply um, held relationship as well. Most of these conversations around skills and knowledge as well seem to be trying to allay the, the fear of the other person. So if you, if you stick to facts about, you know, technical facts about what they can do, there's, they don't have to be vulnerable or as vulnerable. No. <laughs> well, yeah, which, yeah, which is a really superficial way to live through the world. Yeah. Or in the world, more to the point. Yeah. Um, it's like we're trying to soften the blow or something by asking someone, you know, what do you do rather than, you know, tell me something about yourself. Well, again, that leads into that letting go thing and about, you know, hiding. We hide in the world. We have a sort of like having, you know, this, you've got the Superman outfit, the wardrobe. you sort of got this different character that you've got there um, that you – it exists in a really narrow context. It's a very good segue into the third component hearing. You're listening to Human Hackers. Stick around. 
it exists within that really narrow context and it might be just home or just a party or just somewhere else, whatever the context is, but we create these identities and it's okay for that particular character to exist in that context, but it's not okay for that character to exist somewhere else. And it starts to create this really complex world. But to take that character into a context they're not normally existing in requires so much strength uh, for the reasons you're stating to put it out there. But then if we look at business, what's business about? You know, it's about the niche area. It's about the uniqueness. It's about the distinctions as something that will attract attention and get the engagement and ultimately lead to uh, a transaction of some kind in a, in a business sense. So the irony is one part of our lives is about almost protecting ourselves and as part of that boxing the rest of the world so we know what they are and so we feel safe in the certainty. But then we move over to, you know, entrepreneurialism and, and, and you know, direct business um, context. We need we need less of that and more of the, the out there, more of the letting go, more of the uniqueness, more of the expression in order to be able to create something that has the right effect on the target audience and gets us the right result ultimately in a business sense in the end. I love what you said about Superman earlier and then you said that <clears throat> you, n- you need so much strength to go into <laughs> to go into a situation where you you know you're yourself you're not necessarily pulling on the on the characteristics of mm. um you know a particular person in that in that context um the irony is of course Clark Kent's quite an awkward fellow um mm. even in a a context, a natural context, is is quite the introvert. So they're quite they're they're opposing um, figures. Obviously, that's that's part of the impact of the character and whatnot. But um, contrast, yeah. I find in my yeah my experience, I find that it's a constant, just a constant reminder to not necessarily adapt when you don't need to in a context. Just try to be the same try to be the same person, um, you know, standing up for your beliefs and your purpose across the, the various different scenarios you're in. So it sounds mm. easy sounds easy to say, but, of course, as humans, we're, we just want to adapt, like you said, to be in our comfort belong. zone. Yeah, we want yeah. to belong. We want to fit in. And by definition, fitting in means the word fit in means narrowing it down. Um now, my, my choice for the Superman outfit and the wardrobe wasn't <laughs> it's, it's what happens in terms of just choosing analogies and so on off the cuff. It was um, good though. It was good though because then, then you talked about how much strength it takes to um, yeah, you know, to, which to was confident, an accident. Confidently. It wasn't deliberate, but anyway, um, yeah. So it's it's probably more yeah. So that 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 whole space that 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 ability to to recognise that you'll have a different identity in a different context. Now, that in its own right says you're capable of creating variations in identity. And I guess the journey for a lot of people, and certainly where I've been for a lot of years now, probably over over a couple of decades, is, is sort of exploring the parameters of that too, about how much I can change and what it takes to change and how sustainable that is. So, you know, it gives you that flexibility then to create the character, if you like, that is part of that identity. And that character may exist in multiple contexts or it may be narrowed down to one context. But then exploring what happens if you take that character out of that context and put them into a completely different context. 
You know, what are yep. the reactions you're going to get? What is that going to trigger? Is that going to cause a spark that actually results in some new idea, new relationship, you know, just a completely different way of looking at something which creates that uniqueness and potentially leads to some niche market in the business sense. So this is, I guess, this is what this is all about. This first episode is about understanding that fundamental part of being a human being where you're existing with other people and identity is inherent in that in yeah. terms of how you look at the world. So the context piece is, is certainly a, a big part of that. You're listening to Human Hackers. And it, it probably leads directly into personality and is the, is the final piece as well, which is consistent ways of thinking, feeling and behaving. And yeah. so if you like personality, aspects of personality will show up in the characters that exist within the context. And the to link all four things together, you know, within a context, you've got uh, a personality trait which may lead to predisposition for different skills and knowledge and, and, and actions, uh, which then provides us the history of action within that space, which then all feeds back into to create the identity pitch for that person. So personality sort of sits underneath and starts to link into, you know, things like belief and value systems. And again, there are areas that are, are fraught with danger in terms of going in like you think you know what you're talking about um, mm-hmm. or more importantly, going in and, and thinking that you've worked someone else out and this is what their beliefs and values are and it all becomes this very structured process. Whereas in reality, this whole thinking, feeling, behaving loop is just so variable and there's just so many components contribute to it that the only thing that will give you a good feel for that where you can have some degree of certainty is thinking, feeling and behaving over time. So in other words, you start to notice the patterns in yourself or you notice the patterns in other people or the patterns in businesses, for example, on how that business is making its decisions. That's how you start to get some certainty about how the world's moving. But even then, it doesn't mean that you need to stand still. Even then, it still means you need to notice what is going on outside that immediate context that may need to be considered to bring into that context to deliver more value in some form. One thing I've found with uh, the interacting with with others um, is I tend to naturally, it's not necessarily whether I like what they're doing or saying, but I tend to naturally imitate them. And I mean, this is another rabbit hole, but keeping it brief, it's I take on the a characteristic or a phrase or something that somebody says, and then I and then I notice myself saying it or doing yeah. it, and then I review whether I want to actually incorporate that into my personality or mm-hmm. into my into my behaviour. Um, and it's it's actually really funny. Because I, it's like there's two or three layers of observation where I take on the characteristic, I use it, I make it part of me, and then I realise when I interact with that person again that I've got it from them, and mm. then the whole loop goes around. Whether it's do I do I want to use that phrase? Do I want to say that? Do I want to? So it's it's like we're on this perpetual process of um, building our personality and incorporating those traits or phrases or characteristics from the people around us it's almost like a shopping trolley 
some reason a shopping trolley appeared in my head then. So you're going down the supermarket, you know, aisle four, uh, which is the personality aisle. <laughs> and you're going down, you're picking off the shelf, you know, I'd like some of that, a little bit of this and some of that and a little bit more of that. And, oh, that, that looks good. I'll have some of that too because I saw someone else do that at some stage. And I think you're right. It happens naturally. Um, and I guess the message that I'd like to put out there is that if it happens naturally, why not start using that to your advantage? And then why not increase the intensity or the quality or the power of that process? You know, start yeah. to direct it in a way that's going to serve you more rather than just following. Start getting some variations. Take on that trait off, you know, all four shelf six, pick that product off and then make some changes, make it yours, explore and expand. Yes. Yeah. See where this can go, have the freedom to be able to do that. And and that's, that's where you're really starting to get results and the energy level of the individual then change as well. And that will then reflect on how relationships form, which yeah. again relates directly back to business as well. You have a relationship in order to actually have a transaction. So, you know, the, this whole thing is very generic at the at the very core of what we're about from a human hacker's point of view, and it is it is potentially so powerful uh, through people's awareness and consequential action, they'll be able to actually tap into that additional power as well. Well, we're developing style, aren't we? And I know that when back in the um, a previous life when I was you know, recording and performing uh, music, it was a uh, you know, the, the bands that I wanted to influence me were the only ones I listened to in the lead up to a whole swag of writing that I was going to do. Yeah. And it was an interesting, pro- I guess, process of fusion where I was taking on two or three particular styles and then they were, I was fusing those together and then they were coming out through the style I already had. Um so you know, call them influences, and um, and that was that was really powerful to actually. It's it's a little bit like the the supermarket aisle. I like that analogy where I'm only going to put these things on my trolley for for now, and I'm going to see what this combination does. When you've got um, the ability to observe things at you know at multiple levels, it's you can you can like you said work it to your advantage. It's almost scientific. Um, and oh, I'll see what happens when I mix these three ingredients and pour those in the top of my head. And and this is why I like doing a lot of reading these days. This is why I like you know really delving into increasing my knowledge and and you know pouring that in and processing that and seeing if there's anything there that I like that I can you know, infuse into my way of doing things. For some reason, it seems very exciting. It and is I exciting. Why, I don't know why more people aren't doing it, but it's it's just the thought that you can tap into, you know, what's the most powerful thing on the earth we've got control over? Probably ourselves. What do we least understand? Probably ourselves. Uh, even though there's big inroads being made in, you know, into that whole uh, mind and, and brain area. Um it's it's exciting to think that you can actually take an existing process and start directing the power of it towards enhancing your position in life, as in you know the value and the quality of life. Um, it's sitting there ready to be 
ready to be, you know, ready to be taken advantage of. It's simply a matter of stopping and a bit of that mindfulness stuff, I guess, around that reflection and observation. And then some guts and some courage in, and some grit and determination in order to act on that point and being willing to take the feedback that you get when you make that change. Um, it's a, yeah, we're sitting on the edge of something extremely powerful. Everyone is sitting in that place. Some have utilised it more than others, but it's, it's certainly an area that needs to be explored when you look in, in the light of all the other issues that are going on in the world right now. Um, you know, we need more of this. We need more of the people that are out there doing that and being prepared to engage in this sort of process. And when you put the, you said scientific before in terms of the, you know, the, the aisle and the trolley, it's sort of like, and at the same time you said, don't be attached to the outcome. So, and I agree with both of those things. It's sort of <laughs> like, don't hold on too tight. And that's where like it spins the mind a bit that, like in order to go faster, you need to go slower. It's it's just one of those moments. And in a performance sense, you really find out when you get to that performance stage of, in other words, when you're starting to execute the change in a live environment where you're going to get live feedback, that's when you get the gold dust. That's when it's most exciting. That's when there's, you know, potentially massive transformations happening in like really, really short periods of time, which of course we're conditioned to think we can't do. And I no. think pretty much a load of crap. There's there's just so much we can change in such a short time period, providing the intensity is there and the meaning is there in order to be able to make sense of that moment. And that's what we're sitting on the edge of. And then to apply all that to identity in our own right, then to extend all that out to organisation and online presence is a whole different ballgame. Oh, it's it's huge. I mean, we are the we are the creators. I think we forget that, um, and and that creation of our of our world and of ourselves. I, I suppose um, collaboration is hugely central to that. And I'd probably take it probably not now, but I I did for quite some time take it for granted that the creative process from my music background, and there'll be a lot of people out there with you know, similar experiences of, of being creative um, and business is hugely creative. Um, that process of trying things on, you know, you know, let's mix this with mix that, letting go of the outcome um, and then, you know, step up to the plate and, and have another go. Um, it's hugely valuable. And how do we change that by um even taking on even more more knowledge from the people around us or from reading or other sources and and we are living in an exciting time at the moment we are in the information age and so we have we have pretty much unlimited access to information that's a good thing and a bad thing but that's like there's there's no like we're running out of excuses as individuals to not analyze ourselves and look at our style and you know seek to improve our situation well you can even you can even go probably a step further I, when you said information age like i was immediately i thought human age so i do see a transition happening and I'm, I'm sure there is a better term for that out there that i haven't researched but um did you, just come up, did you just come up with that phil well it was well it's it's pretty bland <laughs> as a term but 
the concept, I think I'm noticing a huge shift. There's definitely way greater human awareness now than what we've ever had before in terms of intention, realisation and intention to change and, you know, make, make those lower level mind-based shifts. There's definitely way more focus on that. And it's probably been fueled by a lot of the neurological research, which is making it to mainstream media, like, you know, documentaries on television, that sort of thing. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I, I think I think it is sort of we're still in the information age. It'll stay with us. But I think there is also a shift at the moment, uh, an increase in emphasis at least on understanding that human piece. And it's, it's almost like some people just struggle to get out of being completely like, you know, social media interaction focused, for example, and, and be able to maintain that identity in Facebook or something. Um, and then to actually be seen as a real person with all the vulnerabilities and, and issues that real people have. Um, I think we're really quickly getting to that other space because a lot of issues I think are created out of getting lost in social media, make-believe identities that don't really reflect who we are. And, and, and that same analogy applies to business in the sense that, you know, individuals are the business. The business can exist, but without the individuals, it's just a name. Nothing's going to happen. So the, the way in which we consider our individual identities in the business, how that flows on to defining the business identity, how that then flows on to being online and how accurate that message is to communicate to the target audience again, is a critical part of this equation. So I think we're sitting smack bang dead centre on where we need to be right now um, in terms of what we've talked about to maximise value to the people that are listening right now and that it's something they need to start embracing and thinking about and doing whatever they think they need to do. There's no prescription stuff coming out of here. There's really no analysis of them coming out of this this discussion we're having. Uh, It's more about noticing patterns it's about leaving people up to their own devices and letting them develop their own freedom to be able to act on some of these issues we're talking about, Ian. It's going to be an exciting journey going through. I mean, I was excited before, but now that we've actually talked through and opened up all, all the cans of worms, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going to be exciting to go through these things because it, it is challenging. So I'm glad I'm glad we've got the word challenges in the title of, of uh the podcast because it is it is really a daily challenge the, the irony is i guess for everyone listening is that the the, the actual base uh, model or diagram we use for this podcast this we're only really covered off on one of uh two four six seven seven areas um and you know even that in its own right to come up with a diagram with that many areas and think we could possibly cover it in one podcast was a little bit naive um <laughs> A little bit of little bit of over delivery there, but it would have been over delivery of content, but probably not much takeaway. And I think the fact we've spent the time we have talking about just one component, the very first component of that, um, is a good thing. But it is exciting to know there's another six or seven to follow that tend to build on this base and have more uh, discussion points, I guess, coming up about how to convert this into something that directly suits business. And you can start leveraging off of immediately without doing anything else uh, to, you know, to get closer to the outcomes you want out of your business or and life in general for that matter. Yeah, and that's – we did have to 
set the stage, if you like, um, and talk about talk about this on an individual level. Yeah, before we got into that, mm. um, organisational level, and then online. I mean, there's there's a whole um, yeah, big area. There's a whole big area, and that's yeah. that's um, something I'm looking forward to you grilling me on, Phil, as we go. <laughs> You that know, will happen <laughs> as, as we go bounding into the uh, into the next episode. So, and, and uh, keeping it, the specificity piece as well that we've been talking about too. And the, like, I've got a white rabbit sitting on my desk here. It's like not a wheel, a real or a wheel white rabbit. It's not a real, <laughs> um, but it is a white rabbit nonetheless. And uh, yeah, there's a tendency to to go down to the depths. And so one of the challenges is to to be able to be specific, uh, to not become a, you know, a subject matter expert, but just someone as an observer uh, of of what is otherwise a complex field of, you know, psychology and associated other areas um, in a way that triggers thinking. It's just about making those observations, not getting caught up down the rabbit hole, um, making things specific and chunking down to the point where they are uh, powerful points with direct and specific takeaways that can be implemented. Because in the end, all this talk, all this knowledge, in the end, unless it can be implemented, it is a complete and utter waste of time. So it's our actions that define us. It's not just the thought or the concept that may exist in our heads at the time. Yeah, and the, there's a lot of, I've been having a lot of discussions around, not to this level, but to, with people around me who, yeah, uh, uh, even having an issue identifying where they need to, what they need to work on. Mm. Um, and I think you hit on the, the right word there, making things, making the conversations practical and the takeaways practical is, is crucial because when you, when you look at the information online around identity, you do find the academics want to go down. I mean, we think we've gone down rabbit holes today, um, but the academics want to go down some serious um, rabbit holes and the language starts to get more and more complex. Yeah. Um, and this is not a Ian dissing academics out there. This is at, on, on an individual level. We need practical steps. We need practical things to do to improve and, there's no white paper, you know, that is going to inspire me to to improve and work on, um, I guess, yeah, the you know, personality and style and skills and knowledge and all these things we've talked about today. So it probably leads in very neatly to the three takeaways. <laughs> I was trying to do that, Phil. <laughs> well, well, you did really well. So I guess the three takeaways we've identified are – Generic, but very powerful if you choose to take notice of them. Number one, uh, we are the authors, choose wisely. Number two, notice your own patterns, and that's notice, not analyze. So just notice. Analysis tends to lead you down the rabbit hole, so just notice your own patterns. So set the time aside to do that. And number three is expand and explore deliberately with the emphasis bold, capitals, 90-point font, deliberately. So where you're actually actively engaging and setting time to explore and expand and feel uncomfortable around doing some of these things. So those three simple takeaways uh, will allow you to gain way more knowledge about why you're doing what you're doing and therefore fuel the tank, if you like, 
for change in terms of options you've got to actually shift identity in order to have whatever it is you want out of your life at the time. Neat. Turned a quite a complex topic into three very tidy takeaways. Hmm. Good first episode, Ian. Yeah, thanks, Phil. It's been um, it's been real, and it's going to get even more exciting as we go. Until the next episode. Well done. Thanks for listening to Human Hackers. Stay tuned. Stay cool.